Once again, fellow peregrinos, welcome to episode 27 of El Camino de Santiago Pilgrims podcast, where we talk about planning, preparation and packing for walking the road to Santiago, as well as tips, tricks and hacks to make your journey along the way a lot more enjoyable. We want to take the grim out of the pilgrimage, put more bounce in your boots, more K's in your days. To that end, this week we are speaking to a Camino guide, a journalist and a speaker, Pascal Auger, has walked the Camino Frances and is here for your entertainment value this week. Pascal, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. It's an absolute honor to have your expertise and your time for this episode, Pascal. So we're going to start, as we always do, by asking you to tell your showmates when and where you first made the decision to walk the Camino de Santiago and why. Well, actually, that's a pretty hard question because it's not the kind of thing that you just decide one day. It really grows on you for uh, for many different reasons. Uh, I had heard of the uh, the Camino for quite some time, but was too available to uh, to go for um, for different reasons. But uh, I've, I've I've wanted to go, and then uh, at uh, some point where. Um, you finally say, okay, enough is, is enough, and I, I want to go, and sort of I need to go because I want to go have a break. I want to go, uh, I want to go off and just you know uh, take some time off and just just you know think think out a few things. So many things happens in our in our lives, different different events, uh, change of work, uh, change of uh, change of of life, sometimes uh, separations and stuff, and so you just need some sort of a break, and that's sort of how I decided that I needed to to go off and take care of myself. So, what was the catalyst that made you come to that to that decision? Well, actually, um, that's a pretty good question. Uh, I was um, I live I live in Quebec, Canada, and uh, I had gone out western uh, in the country to uh, work for a couple of years. And this country is so big that was like about six thousand kilometers away, and that's uh, still in the same country. And uh, I was coming, I was heading back back home to uh, to Quebec, and I figured that was really the the good time, you know. To, to, it was sort of uh, um, a, a reboot, uh, start starting over, and so I figured, you know, that's uh, that's a good time to 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 let go of things of the past and then start something new. And uh, that was a good decision to go off there. Brilliant. That's actually a really nice way you've put it. And you've echoed sentiments that I often have said on previous episodes of the podcast that going on the Camino is a little bit like going on reboot. It's a little bit like when you restore your computer and your phone to factory settings and then after it's been rebooted, everything seems new and works fast and efficiently again. So that's what the Camino definitely does for me. So you made the, the decision to walk it. You chose the Camino Frances and you started in Saint-Jean. Uh, Saint uh, do you want to do the, do the correct pronunciation rather than my <laughs> terrible English one? Well, with my accent, it would be Saint-Jean-Pied-Pas, but I mean, your, yours works too. All the ladies listening just melted when they heard your accent, Pascal. <laughs> <laughs> Mine just sounds awful next to yours. Um, now, did you have to do any training to get into shape for walking 500 miles across Spain? 
why do any training? I mean, uh, that, that's what I thought. <laughs> I was, uh, I was, and I still am somebody, you know, that does uh, a few sports, uh, a little bit more maybe back then. I'm somebody that's been uh, jogging for, for years, like maybe five kilometers every, every other day, every like three times a week. I play, I play hockey up here, play soccer, etc. So I figured, you know, hey, I think I'm in pretty good shape and I'll be, I'll be okay. But then I had a surprise because of course, when you start in Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port, you start with the uh, the mountains and uh, so that was a wake-up call right there so it took me like about a week to <laughs> to figure out things with my body but still I was still in good shape so it wasn't that that bad but uh as I give conferences and stuff I do I do give tricks to people you know to to get prepared because it's really different even though you you, you do sports even though you're in good shape walking 20 to 25 kilometers every day is very different than whatever exercise you do in a day so what tips do you give through those conferences? Well, actually, I just tell people to, uh, it's very, very basic, but you just have to do it. What I tell people is the, um, according to the uh, World Health Organization, you, you should be walking every day 10,000 uh, steps, which is about seven kilometers every day. So if you're not doing that every day regularly, well, right there you, you've got a problem so you got to you have to at least make sure uh like uh, four weeks before you uh, you head off that you're doing your seven kilometers every day and then three weeks before i tell people you know bring that up to 10 kilometers and then two weeks before at least three times in the week do a 15 kilometer walk and then uh, like a week before bring that up to 20 kilometers three times in the week so when you get there well your body is already accustomed and you're ready to walk Great advice, really, really good advice. So just slowly and gradually start to build it up from seven exactly. kilometers those three weeks before to 20 kilometers three times a week the week before you leave. What about that climb into Saint Jean uh, sorry, into the Pyrenees from Saint Jean Pierre de Port? Is there, are there any tips or any advice you would give for people that have never ever done anything like that and they're about to scale what is actually higher than the biggest peak in the whole of England and Wales? Well, which doesn't say a lot because it's not a very like peaky or mountainous country, but right, but still, <laughs> but still, it's, yeah, it's for still, us, it's, it's like, really oh, it's bigger than yeah. Ben Nevis, that must be a monster. It's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful climb. What I what I would tell people is that if you leave Saint Jean Pied Bar to go to the next uh, community, the next village, which is the first one in in Spain, uh, Roncevaux. That we uh, we call uh, that's about a 28 kilometer uh, walk and it's basically 20 kilometers to climb and then eight to come down so that's a pretty big day when that's your first day so there's a few tricks you can either start a few days before that not start in Saint Jean Pied Bar start a few days before so you're you're already starting to climb a little bit uh, mountains before you get to the uh, the big one and so you're really getting your body in shape but then if you do start in Saint Jean Pied Bar don't do as I I did, which is um, I started or I started early or well, eight o'clock, I guess, in the morning. And I was, of course, it was my first day. Very excited. I was I was, you know, doing my dream, walking the Camino. I climbed up and then um, I made it all the way to the other side. Uh, what you can do is there's a, a last area where you can stop about eight kilometers after you've started in Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port. There's a last resort there where you can spend the night. 
So you actually, you know, you start like at mid-afternoon, maybe uh, at noon or one, you start walking gently. And then when you get to that uh, last resort, stay there. You've only walked eight kilometers, but still it's a good eight kilometers. And so the next day you only have 20 kilometers. That might sound weird, only 20 kilometers, but for a first day in the mountains, that's one uh, another trick that you can do to, to help yourself. And I, and I really uh, I really encourage people to do that more and more when I do the uh, the conferences. Yeah, and that's that place is called Orison, isn't it? And exactly. We've put a we've put some links to that on our Facebook page before. Um, that's the Alberg at Orison, and only eight kilometers up. So when you finish for the day, you've only got twenty kilometers to actually get to the next stage in Roncesvalles instead of a twenty-eight kilometer up um, or twenty kilometers up and then eight kilometers down, which you say is right. can be a very testing first day. Right. And. You, we touched a little bit on staying in Albergs. This is a really big transition for people that who, who have never done the Camino before. Going from your lovely, comfy bed in a silent room that smells of your incense burning and your background music playing to being in a big hall on a squeaky bunk bed where the springs are digging in your back and potentially the, the bed's pushed so close to you that you're nearly spooning with the person next to you. Um, how would you tell people to be Alberg ready if they are going to stay in the hostels along the way? You just got to be open-minded. I mean, that's part of the uh, that's part of the experience, and it's sort of part of the pleasure. I mean, yeah, there can be some moments where you're like, "Could you all please be quiet?" But I mean, it's 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 part of the it's, it's what it is. So you just have to make the best of it. And uh, you know, after a few days, also that you've been walking this new adventure, every day after walking uh, 20, 25 kilometers, you're pretty tired, and usually you're gonna fall asleep uh, pretty. Uh, pretty Pretty fast, but it does take some 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 adapting. I mean, you can get your your earplugs, of course. You can have your your uh, your uh, your headphones to to listen to some music or something on your on your uh, on your cell. But uh, that's that's part of the deal. But then again, uh, you know, try to find a. Um, and an albergue that is that, that that is maybe sometimes smaller, so you have a little less people in there, and um, but it's just it's just part of the adventure. Yeah, great tip that actually. I remember I was passing through Puente La Reina, which had three hundred right. odd beds in in that one, and there was another place about eight kilometers on called um, Tiraoki, and. Yep myself and some Austrian guys that I walk in with, we decided to go to the the Alberg in Thiraoki, which only had 22 or something beds like that. And we had right. a really, really peaceful night as opposed to the 300. So that's a really good tip. Thanks, Pascal. Here, about. Here's one, here's one yeah. last tip on that. Yeah, go for most it. Of, most of the time, you'll see people that will be walking about the same lengths and you can figure out that the, the mass will be ending up at a certain village. Exactly. What you do sometimes is just go to the next village that might be two, three, four, five kilometers further. But knowing that most of the people have stopped just before, that village might basically be empty. That happened to me. I figured that out on my on my second Camino. And then I started doing that. And then you really, you lose a little bit the pack and you're really quiet. Like I, I've been in some albergues where it was like maybe 30% uh, full. And so you really have more space and you can you can adapt and it's more quiet than when when you, when you do that. And if you're lucky, you might get some hot water as well then if there's less people, which is always <laughs> right. which is always a godsend. Um, right. And we have a lot of listeners in North America. 
could you please just share how you made your way to the starting point at Saint-Jean? Well, basically, uh, uh, here in Canada, most of the people that uh, do the uh, the Camino are from Com Quebec. Uh, there's some uh, in the rest of uh, the country that will do it, but not that much. What uh, basically I do from Quebec, just go through our international airport in, in Montreal, and I flew to uh, Bordeaux. From there, I took a... Uh, a, uh, a train down to uh, Bayonne, and from Bayonne took a local train or bus, but my, I, I took a local train that brought me down to uh, Saint Jean Pied-de-Port. And from our uh, place, it's a uh, it's a night uh, it's a night plane, so we leave like around at 11 p.m. And uh, so the, the first day when you arrive there, it's a it's a long day because you don't sleep all that much in in the plane. But uh, it really depends on which um, which uh, which path you'll be taking. Like I, I ended up in Bordeaux because I was walking down to uh, to Saint Jean Pied-de-Port. But then again, if you're doing one of the other uh, one of the, the other uh, paths there, you, you you'll you'll uh, you can you can you know you can stop at paris or toulouse or marseille and places like that yeah i think one of the the common places that most pilgrims pass through if, if they are on their way to saint jean is bayonne where you take that uh, that local train that kind of lurches exactly. tilts and rattles its way around the verdant right. valleys um past the waterfalls and it's a very very beautiful journey isn't it Yes, it's it's beautiful. I don't recollect it all that much because I was tired. <laughs> right. uh, but uh, yes, I mean, I, I love France. There's many. It's 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 a small country compared to us, but it's so uh, it's it, it's beautiful. So yeah, everywhere is a small country compared to you guys, apart from <laughs> yeah, I guess. America, <laughs> China. <laughs> Russia um, we right. are we are just like one of the, in the UK we're just like your fingertip kind of thing but right. um, yeah so vast it makes us uh, feel so small in comparison <laughs> and so that's how most Canadians would make their well, coming from that part of Canada to the starting point. Yeah, or from Toronto, you know, uh, Montreal or Toronto, the big airports around here, and you would fly directly to uh, to France and then uh, take the uh, take the train down to Saint Jean Pied de Port or wherever you're leaving from. Because, like your listeners probably know, there's a lot of different places that you can. There's there's not just one path. A lot of times, I don't know if you, if if in your uh, community that happens a lot. A lot of people sometimes say they want to walk the Camino, but it's not just the Camino. There's so many uh, different paths that you can do. So it really depends which. Uh, uh, which one you want to take yeah i think officially saria is the most common starting point where the pilgrims start to do the the minimum possible to get their certificate of completion the compostela but right. um, i think after that and correct me if i'm wrong um, from what i remember reading in the stats very recently was that saint jean was actually the most common starting point but i'll check double don't quote me on that i will have to look that up uh, but he's definitely one of the most popular starting points for the Camino Frances, for people who are wanting to do the Camino Frances. Now, you said you trained or you were already kind of trail fit thanks to the sports that you did, the, the jogging you were doing every day, the soccer, the hockey. But also on the other side, like you said, nothing can prepare you for walking 20 to 25 kilometers per day for a month, apart from doing that amount per day. And your feet probably wouldn't have been used to doing that amount of exercise and that test of endurance. How were your feet bearing up on the first day? And can you give any foot care tips? Well, I'm probably going to disappoint a lot of people that would like to hear me say uh, really terrible and awful things. But my feet were in perfect shape. 
Um, I took good care of my feet, and I had done what was a the lot. Secret? <laughs> well, I had I, I prepared. I had done done a lot of research, a lot of reading. Uh, I see a lot of people sometimes just to, just take off without really getting prepared, and that's how you you don't you don't um, you get a lot of problems. But you know, basic stuff. I guess I guess it's basic for me because I, I you know I give workshops and conferences to people. But basic stuff like first of all, having the right pair of shoes uh, of uh, to to walk, and always having half a size to maybe a full size extra to have some more space in your shoes because when you're going to be walking 20 to 25 kilometers every day well your feet you know you're going to be they're going to get getting bigger so you need some good uh, some space in there uh having the right pair of uh, of socks also um now i'm not sure of the of the accent or how you call it but uh the, the merino the merino uh wool socks are fantastic for that they're very important and uh and also something that really helps for the feet is is walking with your um with your um how, how do you call them uh, sticks uh, how do you call them walking in english poles, walking poles yeah poles right so uh yeah because that will take some 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 pressure off your feet also so those are basic um basic uh i guess ideas uh, having you know the right the right shoes and the right uh the right socks will help you a lot so just to run over that excellent advice thanks pascal half a size to a full size extra because your feet will be expanding with the heat merino wool socks are the socks that you recommend as well and obviously the walking poles because they take some of the the force out of your feet and your joints your hips your knees and puts it more into your arms and your upper body and i'd add to that the right sized backpack I mean, if it's too big, you're just going to kill yourself because you're putting way too much uh, uh, weight on your on your body and on your feet. So that is very, very important. I, I, I see, I've seen, I see a lot of people that live that 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 leave with with backpacks that are really too big. And the problem is, anyway, around us here, um, this kind of walking, like they're used to, to trekking in the woods and stuff. So when you go to um, to these to these stores, you know they're going to prepare you for for, for 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 the wilderness. But this is not what we do. We're doing something really different, where we're not sleeping in the woods every night. So we don't need all that equipment. We don't need a big size bag. So uh, it's really important to have the right size bag, so the right weight on your back. What would you recommend that size bag be? Well, um, I'm pretty sure this is international. So we um, we go from what, what what I recommend is 30 to 33 liters, and no more than six uh, kilos in your bag. Fantastic. Now, a, a figure that's been banded around on different hiking websites that I've seen, and and something that I've experimented with with, with myself was 10 percent of your ideal body weights. What's your What's your opinion on that? Let's forget that. Now, that means that if you weigh 100 pounds or, uh, yeah, 100 pounds, uh, you'll, be, um, you'll be putting uh, 10%, which is like 10 pounds on your back. And if you, if you weigh 300 pounds, you're going to bring 30. So imagine if you add those 30 pounds to your, to your weight, how that's going to end up on your knees on your ankles, on your feet, that is a very, that's a common thing that we've done many uh, before, but we, we, we can't do that anymore. We really have to, uh, we don't need more than six kilos 
on our back. When you're well equipped, you have the right clothes, you have the right socks, you have the right equipment, you don't need more than six kilos. Now, I'll just add on there, six kilos is without, you know, to that, you'll add a little bit of food and a little and some water. So you'll end up with about eight, but it really depends on how much water and how much food you're, you're bringing with you. But if you think equipment, six kilos is the maximum, which would, I guess, I don't know if you're, uh, if you, if you guys work in metric or so, but that would end up like being about, um, cause I'm switching right now from kilos to pounds, but that would end up like about uh, six kilos, about uh, 14 pounds. Okay. Fantastic. And I can definitely agree with that. Um, I have walked, I went to back to the Camino Portuguese last month and I, kind of experimented with, with the 10% of ideal body weight because my I weigh I weigh about 78 kilograms I'm six foot one so it's about 185 meters one meter 85 and so my backpack without water and food was just over six perfect and with food and water it was about seven and a half um right. so it was about it's in the and I was extremely comfortable the most comfortable I've been on any of my Caminos and it's a really good point you make as well you know it's not the Appalachian Trail it's not the Pacific Coast Trail there, there's places to stay along the way yeah, we exactly. don't have to take cooking equipment with us we right. can really minimalize what we carry with us as long as we're comfortable with carrying that amount of things that minimum amount of things so there you hear it fellow Peregrino showmates um, Pascal says the 10% of your body weight probably isn't going to work if you are a big unit. So uh, let's let's shoot for the six to eight kilos and we'll definitely be having a good time that way. That's excellent advice. And the right backpack, like you said, was 30 to 33 liters and you should easily fit your six kilos in there. So talking right. of backpacks and some things that we're going to take with us, what were or what would be the three most important things on your kit list? Well, I've, that's part of it. First of all, the right, uh, I think I've given them right there. I mean, the, uh, the, the, the bag, the, uh, the shoes and the socks. I mean, to that, we can add the poles if I, if I mentioned four, but I mean, the, those three are the most important, the bag, the shoes and the socks. And after that, the rest of the uh, equipment or the rest of your, of your, um, of your clothes, well, we can always adapt. Now there's some things that you should not bring. Uh, but I mean, those for me are the three most important. Okay, so it's the getting the shoes right, getting the the backpack right, and getting the the walking poles with you to take the force out. Those will be your three most important. So maybe that'll be when you're if you're a first time pilgrim, maybe that's the best place to start, and that will actually make the rest of your Camino so much easier. That will do all the work for you, by the sounds of it. Yeah, that's 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 perfect for me. That those are the things that are most important. Great stuff. And what would you say was your a favorite town, city or village along the way and somewhere you'd recommend potentially people stay for a day extra or make sure they stop and visit? That's that's such a hard question because that's sort of asking me which one is my favorite of my children, you know. There's so many beautiful places, but luckily I only have one child, so that's, that's <laughs> the easy one. But um, I don't know, for some reason... There's the village of, uh, now I'm not sure we'll have the same pronunciation here, but the Castro Erez, that for me, for some reason, spoke to me a lot. I really had a lot of, uh, I just stayed there one night. I kept on going, but uh, I have beautiful pictures of that and something, I don't know, maybe a little kicker extra there, magical happened there. I really love that, uh, that village. 
correct me if I'm wrong, is there a castle there? Exactly. Well, there was. They it's were uh, when, when I was. Yeah, exactly. They were working on the ruins the last time I was there. But yeah, and it's on a it's on the on the top of a hill. So that's that's what makes it beautiful. You know, you just you go back a few uh, a few hundred years and you just imagine that castle being on top of the uh, of the hill and the village being at the bottom. It's really uh, really beautiful. Was it that was in kind of standing sentinel over the countryside on a green hill? I'm trying to to visualize it myself. Um, that, that part I don't totally uh, remember, but okay. uh, yeah. Right, so Castro Heres is definitely a place that you'd recommend your fellow pil pilgrims check out as a potential place to stay. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. Fantastic. Now, Pascal, I'm going to run through a few quick fire questions. Right. And if you could give as short an answer as possible, that would be magic. And we'll fly through these. Um, in a matter of, uh, let's say, 30 seconds. No, money joke. Right. It could be as long right. as you want, but we're just trying to get as much of your Camino knowledge as possible. So what right. would be your favorite Camino blog, vlog, or book? One you'd well, recommend. Actually, actually, mine. Yeah, <laughs> please, do, please do plug On it. QuebecCompostel.com. Uh, I have my own blog, and uh, I actually do a lot of what we're doing right now, uh, interviews and stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot of resources there. It's all in French, uh, but um, a lot of resources there. I will put a link to that on our Facebook page as well, Camino de Santiago Pilgrims podcast, so our listeners can follow you there. What's your favorite food and or drink on the Camino? Okay, food for breakfast, the tortilla de patata. And uh, drink. I mean, a good, uh, a good, a good uh, Camino beer is always fantastic. Uh, a particular thing you can rent one beer you can recommend. Well, I, I like the uh, the uh, half and half uh, cerveza limon, which is a beer and um, and um, oh my gosh, what is it? It's it's it's, it's yellow. It's the uh, the fruit that's yellow. Uh, lemon, lemon, right? Brilliant. <laughs> I bet you were thinking of the word in French there, weren't you? No, uh, no. One thing you didn't need and wouldn't take again. Oh, I had this line to put my clothes on, and I had bought that in some store that told me I would need that. I never needed that. So I never, I never bring that with me anymore. It's just it's useless. <laughs> One thing you wish, wished you'd packed. You know what? I, I didn't miss anything. I had everything I needed. It was just perfect. One place you wish you'd stayed stayed over? Uh, gosh, one is hard, but I remember Ponferrada. They have a beautiful, beautiful castle there, but I decided to go on. And every time I, I, I see that picture, I say, oh, gosh, it's beautiful. I should have stayed there, but maybe next time. That castle, I believe, was made by the Knights Templars as well. Oh, well, let's see, so, I don't know that story yet. <laughs> so the Knights Templars Castle in Ponferrada. And an important word or phrase to learn in Spanish. Well, I guess, I guess it goes with when you talk to me about food. I mean, cerveza, por favor. <laughs> you got your priorities definitely straightened out there. <laughs> Actually, no, it'd be grande cerveza, por favor. Grande, oh, grande, okay. Right. And I, I personally recommend the Estrella Dam. That's uh, that, oh, that's my favorite Spanish beer. And it's not it's quite a commercial one, actually, but right, yes, Estrella right. Dam is, is lovely. Now, right. a, lot, a common question I see come up, and we can kind of delve into a bit more detail on this one, would be how people are going to manage their money while they are on the Camino. How much cash did they take? How much on card? Any money uh, tips you can give? 
Oh well, basically, there's you know there's uh, you can you can um, you can use uh, debit machines and credit cards. They're all over the place. Just maybe just the albergue is where you have to pay cash. So basically, you don't need to bring a lot. I usually carry about a uh, hundred uh, euros, and uh, I uh, I could probably go for a week with that. And then you know when there's like twenty left, I'll just go uh, go retrieve some more. So a uh, hundred euros is fine, and use your credit cards. So yeah, most of the albergs, especially the the more basic ones, which are the municipal, those ones they normally only accept cash. So it's, it's important to have some cash with you. And right. one thing that I I was contacted by um, a, a lady recently asking me that question. That's why I've put this in. And one idea I had was to have a card always, but only with like a prepaid debit card. So you load it up with so say two hundred euros, and yeah. so that way if something God forbid, did get stolen. You'd only be losing a small amount of money, and obviously you can cancel cards at any time. I know that, but and you have someone trustworthy at home that you can contact and can load that up every now and again. And and um, I've done that when I've been to music festivals, never on the Camino because I'm quite a lot quite trusting of uh, of people on the Camino. But I think next Camino I go on, I will I will probably do that. So that's a good idea. A good yeah, idea. just load up a prepaid card and and go from there. Um, so tell us if you have one. A funny, inspiring or quirky Camino experience or story, because these stories and these characters on the Camino are, for me, what give the Camino its magic. We can all go on a long walk, but it's the, the, the characters and your fellow pilgrims and their own personal journeys that they are on that enrich your experience. Do you have any? Gosh, there's, there's so many that we could we could share. The one that pops up right now, because we just talked about cash and uh, that kind of thing. It wasn't my personal story, but it's someone that I met that uh, that I did uh, an interview uh, with. And he told me his story that um, when he went a few days after arriving, um, there, there's some basic things that you, 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 you must not do. And I'll tell you afterwards, but... Uh, when for some reason i don't know how that happened probably something that was not on the camino because this this kind of thing does not happen very very much i don't want to scare anyone but he lost everything his backpack his passport his money he lost it all and so uh, because everything was in his backpack you know you should always have some sort of belt um uh, i don't know how you how you would call them but uh, having your money and your credit cards and everything you know around your your belt at all times but anyway that that being said, he, he, that happened to him. But then he said, you know what? That was one of the best things that happened to me. That's what he said. Why? Because from that point on, he really lived the Camino as, as what it is. People helping out, uh, giving him a hand, um, giving him some money. I mean, this, is one of, this was not a poor person. I mean, he, he, you know, he, he was fine. But until he finally got his, his passport again, Everyone on the way was there to help him out. And I thought that was like very inspiring. Uh, just don't try this though, <laughs> but uh, no, don't test no. it. But it was, it, it's a beautiful story. I, I think um, there was a, we interviewed a, a girl from Los Angeles a few episodes ago, Rachel Smith. And she said there, there is, everyone has their own Camino angel. And it yeah. sounds like this man found his Camino angels. Yeah. And totally. there's also the, 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 the very, commonly termed phrase that the Camino provides and right. I think that's a good metaphor for life as well because 
contrary to some people's belief, I, I do think life will give you what you need more than more often than what you want. And it's, it's a lovely story. And I think it really just it is demonstrates the brotherhood and the camaraderie that, that the Camino de Santiago pilgrims share along the way with that shared goal. And it's um, for anyone that is not sure about going, just be aware you are going to be in good hands, you know, in, the, in your fellow pilgrims. And just the fact that you've uh, you've made the, the decision, the big, brave Bold decision exactly. to... stop worrying about it i mean yeah. there's yeah of course it, it's it's something new different sort of scary but gosh it's so beautiful so wonderful just stop worrying and just go with the flow and you said pascal that you were on a reboot and that was part of your reason to walk right. the camino for your own personal journey what were you going from and where did you go to afterwards what did the Camino do for you? What, how did it help you? How did that time on the road help you go on to reboot and go on to the next phase of your life? Well, it, it sort of gave me gave me a break for because when I uh, you know I did it in in um, in a moment where I just needed to um, to sort of get away from from things and have a time to to think and realize what the priorities were in life. And the funny thing is that, you know, there's a lot of people, you've heard these stories. I mean, people will come back from there and then all of a sudden change everything in their life. Now, I was one of those people. Yeah. You were <laughs> I was one of those people. That yeah. can be scary if it's not done right. But uh, for me, it was it was a process. It wasn't, I know, it, it, from the moment that I stepped on there and I walked and then I came back, I knew something had happened. And then after I came back, everything grew in me and, you know, things cleared up a little bit. And, and you sort of, from that point on, you know, concentrate on, on well, what I would say are real things in life, things that are really important to you. And then I guess you just, um, you just let go a little bit more of things that aren't really important. Now, it doesn't make you a perfect person. <laughs> There's still some things you got to work on. But I guess it just brings you back to basics and what's important in life. And... What basics did that bring you back to? You don't, if you don't want to divulge any more details, you don't have to. I'm just curious because it's really interesting. You say if you, if it's not done right, and people do make big, big, scary changes. I mean, I love the Camino so much that I ended up moving to Spain, and okay. you know, and I quit my, I closed down my business. I had a business before I did it, and and well, it really, it was I did it the wrong way. I did it the complete wrong way. How how. It is such a big change going from walking 20, 30 kilometers per right. day and your only ambitions, your only goals being to find food, shelter, water right. and friends and then having to go back to right. your day job, which it's, some it's, people don't like. How, how Can you give any advice on how to make that transition successfully? Oh, oh my gosh, that transition can be so, so difficult. Now, the most mm. important thing is that when you finish your Camino like I see like when I when I give workshops and stuff it, it freaks me out I like I don't want to discourage people but give yourself some time it, first of all you should never go walk less than three weeks because it's after one week 
that the magic starts. Your body is going to be is going to be ready, and you're going to start yourself. You're going to be more in 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 the present, because the first week you're still thinking about your job, your life, your spouse, and whatever. And then after a week, you start clearing up stuff. And so then after that, when you every every day, every week is beautiful. And then at a certain point, of course, of course, it does stop. And then you gotta. Come back home, as we say. But it's very important when you come back home to plan an extra week, so you don't get into the the, the fuss and the hustle right away. You just you just what I tell people usually is just get home, just close the blinds, don't answer the phone, don't answer the door, just give yourself time to get back into society. Because just the fact that when you're going to leave the Camino, either you leave from uh, Finisterre or you leave from uh, from Santiago, and then you start, you have to get into a schedule. You have to take a plane. You have to get into an airport. It gets so busy. It's so fast. It's crazy. And then you get back home. And then you get that odd call from 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 the neighbor, your, 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 your friend, whatever, and ask, you know, so how was the Camino? And you just don't want, you're not there right now. You need to come back gradually actually your body's here but your head is still on the path it's still on the way so give your you need that time to make the right moves also after that and not to uh make any uh bad decisions and then gradually you know if you do want to change things in your life that's perfect because that's part of it if you if you really realize that you need to change uh your your job you need to change your 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 the area where you're working stuff that's perfect i've seen a lot of people do that just you just have to do it the right way great advice and and a friend of mine very recently told me a quote i don't know where he got this from but he said don't make long-term decisions based on short-term emotions and I'm a, I know that those emotions that I had when I left the Camino for the first time were so strong and I ended up making a whole load of decisions which <laughs> ultimately came back to bite me on the bum. And it, you know, there's, I, I don't know elsewhere in the world, but in France, there's organizations that after you've done your Camino, you can sort of go, go there and sort of bring get you, they get you back into into your your life you know so you have a transition that's a little bit softer uh i think that sort of thing should be more popular because it, exactly like you say you live so many emotions when you're there and sometimes you don't make the right you have the right idea but it's just you just need to come back first yeah and just before we are, I ask you the last question, it's a really good thing you said about the magic really does start to happen after that first week and that that transformation tends to happen after your body is adjusted your mind is shaking off the shackles of your previous life whether it's work or issues playing on your mind whether it's some relationship issues whatever it might be and that magic does start to happen in the second third and fourth weeks and i know for a fact my last camino um, my wife and i did a bit of the camino portuguese and after we did six seven i can't remember six or seven days but i just didn't want to go back after that last week and i got home on the sunday morning and went to work on the sunday evening um which was definitely not recommendable i mean i did it out of necessity really because i've just paid for a wedding and 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 um so lots of uh lots of money to to make up from the wedding but yeah if you can then delay that transition back into your everyday life as much as possible and yeah that's some great advice and talking of good advice what would you say to someone who's maybe 50 50 about walking the camino what would you say or wants to walk it but they're scared 
they're scared of the albergs maybe maybe they're scared of the exercise maybe that first day in saint jean what would you say to convince them to go well everything that's um that's new we're always scared that that's the, that's the human process you know but uh just to, to to jump in there and uh what do they got to lose i mean you you know you're you're asking questions about yourself and you just need a break so uh, give yourself that present i i i basically tell people you know it's it's the or maybe one of or maybe the greatest present that you'll give yourself in your life because it's when you go do the camino hopefully for at least the three weeks or more, it's one of the only times in your life when you're really going to give yourself freedom. Now, we all, well, we all, a lot of us live in, in, in what we call, uh, we're free in our countries, you know. Uh, of course, we've got laws and stuff. But I mean, are we really free? Every day we have our responsibilities. We have to get up in the morning. We've got to go to work. got to take care of the kids, the grandkids, and do errands and blah, 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 and all that stuff. You know, we live about 80 or 85 years in our uh, in in this world, and so when in our life were we really free to do basically just three things: walk, eat, and sleep, and that's all we do. Zero responsibilities when we're on the way. So why not, you know, give yourself that uh, that present, that freedom? The only time we were able to do that actually was between zero and five years old, because when you're you know, you basically decide then, but you're not really conscious of what you're doing. And at five years old, well, then, you know, you start to get into the, the process. You go to school, you got schedules, you got to do this, you got to do that. So really, we live 80 to 85 years, and most of the people will have never really tasted what freedom is all about. So the Camino, that's what it gives you. It gives you finally that time to, to, to live what freedom is, and then to just put things back in order in your mind, in your life so beautifully put the camino is the greatest present you can ever give to yourself freedom i love it that should be on a billboard somewhere <laughs> i'll have to uh, copyright that i guess <laughs> yeah definitely pascal definitely I, I i'm gonna quote you on that for sure pascal no just before i um i let you free to enjoy your own day and hopefully go and do some walking as well you, could you please tell the listeners where they can find you online, your blog, your website, and obviously your your guides as well? Well, actually, you can you can find me on a website that's called uh, – it's in French, of course. And uh, the first word is the uh, the province where I live in uh, in Canada, which is called Quebec. Now, try to Google that. I'll finally, you'll, you'll find something. It's QuebecCompostel.com. Uh, so quebecobastel.com, there you'll find a lot of information of what I do, how I help people, the workshops that I give, the uh, conferences. And also, if ever some people are interested, now we love these, ex the, these experiences. And one of the things that the Camino did to me was realize that, you know what, we can live these wonderful experiences, of course, on the Camino. But we, if we have the mindset, we can live these experiences elsewhere. And so that's why we've uh, we've created uh, for a couple of years now, and it's, it's just a process, but uh, a uh, our own our own path, our Quebec path, our Quebec way, which is 1,200 kilometers that starts from the airport of Montreal and goes to another part of Quebec. It really crosses Quebec. And so you can actually walk for uh, two months and we've got different areas where people can go uh, eat, sleep, a little bit like the Camino. Of course, we've got a lot of work to do because the Camino is about 2000 years old uh, and we're just a few, but uh, it's really made with the same values as the uh, Camino. So if some people would like to live that kind of uh, experience in North America, 
here in the in Quebec, Canada. Well, that is also uh, possible from uh, from now on, and they'll get all the information on the uh, on the website quebeccompostel.com. Fantastic! I love that idea. Pascal Auger, all of that stuff is going to be on our Facebook page for the the listeners to go and find out more about you. It's been a wonderful interview. Thank you so much. Buen camino, fellow peregrino. Yeah, thank you very much. And uh, I hope to see you soon here in Quebec to walk our way. Wandering wanderer 